listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com this portion of our program is brought to you by the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln right off of 146 delicious food drink always a nice crowd you can either eat in the lounge area there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com now i want to get up to speed the latest now on the Idaho students that were murdered. That was very dramatic. It came down on Friday. New details are coming out. He brought from that correctional facility here to the courthouse. His lawyer telling me that since he's been there, he's been in a suicide smock at all times, including rec time. He also says the facility has been very accommodating to Brian's vegan diet. As for today, he says his client isn't nervous and that his one request was that he get a chance to speak with his parents, something he said the court cannot accommodate. This morning, Idaho quadruple murder suspect Brian Koberger just hours from his extradition hearing. His lawyer, Jason Labar, telling ABC News he remains calm and polite despite knowing the death penalty is on the table. He says Koberger understands the seriousness of the charges and replied to him, quote, this will be a long process. Now new details emerging about how law enforcement tracked Koberger down. Sources telling ABC News they used public genealogy databases like those used to catch the Golden State Killer. You have DNA from a crime, uh, but you don't have a suspect. He's not in a database. So you use public databases of genealogy looking for relatives. Eventually, you get down to the point where you can match the DNA potentially to your suspect. Recent students of his at Washington State University speaking out, one saying his appearance changed around the time the murders took place. He looked a little bit more disheveled. He had like some stubble coming on. His hair was a little, you know, messed up or whatever. I remember seeing him and thinking like, oh man, you know, finals must be really good. 28-year-old Koberger remained a teacher's assistant, working towards his criminology PhD until the end of the semester before driving 2,500 miles to Pennsylvania with his father. His lawyer now telling ABC News that on that journey, he was pulled over twice for traffic violations in Indiana while driving that white Hyundai Elantra what? authorities have been looking for. How? Brian arrested in an early morning SWAT team raid at his parents' home in a gated community wow. two weeks later. LeBar telling ABC News, Brian's father said they were told over a loudspeaker that the house was surrounded and their door was broken during the arrest. People in his hometown, shocked. How do you remember him at those parties? Uh, withdrawn, um, kept to himself. Koberger's lawyer says his client maintains his innocence and is eager to be exonerated in Idaho. Now, Brian's parents and two sisters plan on attending today. I'm also told that authorities here have been asked to be prepared for Brian to go back to Idaho sometime tonight or tomorrow morning. Once he's there and appears in court, that official arrest affidavit will be unsealed and we will learn a lot more about the prosecution's case again. Stop twice in Indiana. Folks, another reminder, if you haven't checked it out, again, it's the John DePietro Show. Check out on uh, DePietro.com. We had, um, we've had two more episodes, right? Episode 7, 8, we're out New Year's Eve, uh, Cranston PD Live. Listen, uh, uh, law enforcement, they never know what they're encountering. Can you imagine now, again, I think he was actually traveling with his father. But you don't know, at that moment, can you even imagine, I think... He wanted the father driving, as I think of it. I think that's the reason. And then it's the father. Well, we'll have to get more details on that. Because what I was going to say was the father is then the one who would 
have to produce license and registration and they wouldn't be um, going after him as much. Now, the situation with Monday Night Football, let's see. I'm seeing some, um, who do you believe? Joe Buck in real time dealing with this unfolds with Troy Vincent three hours after the fact, meeting with Roger Goodell in terms of damage control. Joe Buck said three times the league mentioned the five-minute rule, and Joe Burrow was warming up since he had the ball. So apparently now, Joe Buck repeatedly said the NFL gave the Bills and Bengals five minutes to resume play. Apparently now the league is claiming that that's, that's not what happened, contrary to league claims. But he did keep saying that, and as someone that was watching in real time, that did keep happening, as a matter of fact. So Joe Buck stated on air four separate times because the NFL executive vice president, Troy Vince, said the NFL never informed the teams they had five minutes to warm up to resume play. That never crossed their mind. He doesn't know where that came from. Now, that is very, very strange because this was uh, Joe Buck last night. I think I have some of that. Like this, and then the, yeah, Lisa, they, as we said, they've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field, but nobody's moving. Then when we got the update that within five minutes these players were going to start playing football again, we saw Zach Taylor live walk across the field to Sean McDermott. The players were being told that they would have five minutes to get back. Coach, the two head coaches you can see got together and they'll have five minutes to warm up. And Troy, I mean, you played this game for the majority of your life, and then after that, you've been calling these games. First of all, I've never seen no. anything like this. And then, the, yeah, Lisa, as we said, they've been given five minutes to quote unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field, but nobody's moving. Then when we got the update that within five minutes these players were going to start playing football again, we saw Zach Taylor live walk across the field to Sean McDermott. The players were being told that they would have five minutes to get back ready for play, and the players were standing around. <laughs> well, they're going to have to answer. That five-minute thing, I mean, that came somewhere. Joe Buck repeatedly kept saying the NFL gave the Bills and Bengals five minutes to resume play. The league is saying that never happened. Never, never happened. So that clearly needs to be straightened out. There was a, a lot of second guessing. I mean, anyone that was watching that was, um, it was, it was really uh, remarkable to think that, that they were going to have to start playing in such a short amount of time, especially in then knowing, or not knowing, I should say, how that was going to play out. So, yeah, that was that was bad. Going back to the, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, folks, on this Tuesday, but the Idaho college students' murders with this uh, Brian Kohlberg, you know, the more that comes out about it, you have someone, it is like out of a, I hate to say it, horror, you say a book, but out of a film, where you have someone who is studying criminology, seemingly was then, I mean, a real certifiable nutcase, who was then, they have his phone, from what I understand, pinging in relation to where they were. So it, it certainly comes out as if, it certainly seems to be, I should say, that he was stalking those students for quite some time but the whole thing I mean it's just so horrific it is out of a a horror film um in some way you know I also heard people last night questioning how come not as much tension was on actor Jeremy Renner who was injured while supposedly plowing snow he's in critical but stable condition I don't know what to make of that whole story, how someone ends up in a critical condition from snow plowing. Um, he was brilliant in Hurt Locker. He was also brilliant in The Town. Um, I also want to uh, play this ABC Chief Medical Examiner, the benefits of a non-alcoholic start to the year, dry January. Dry January. 
by January actually tend to consume less alcohol when they come out of the month. Um, and then there are physiologic benefits. You can lose weight, your blood pressure improves, your skin improves, you sleep better, your mood improves. Um, and so these benefits can be noted definitely within 30 days. And then again, most people tend to keep it going to some degree. You know, you said you've been doing it for a while. What tips do you have for people who want to start? Uh, fill the boat, Rec recruit some friends, get people involved. We're going to be doing this uh, throughout the month and hearing from our viewers what kind of experiences they have. Every year I ask Robin to do it with me, and she says, I'll do it in February. It's a shorter <laughs> month. But I, I think to do this um, with friends in a community. And so I send you guys some mocktails because Great, the world we'll of mixology <laughs> is also oh. kind of like exploding. Oh, there you go. Nice. Thanks, Sal. Thanks, Sal. Um, and so this has some fresh... Dry January. Some, um, she used to be a juiceless January. And I'll be toasting oh, with you uh, with my water. Something to think about. Something to think about. I like that. That is the big line here. I'll, I'll start in February. It's a shorter month. But anyhow, folks, we'll, we'll uh, obviously bring the latest that Brian Kohlberger, the uh, Idaho murders. It is just something so unusual, out of the ordinary, that this nutcase stalking them out in the manner that he did and thinking he's pulling off the crime. I, I, um, I want to give credit. I mean, you think of uh, how the FBI have been hammered the past couple of years and you know, the, I, I mean, I've had some of you maybe listening right now. Tell, the FBI is corrupt, blah, blah, blah. The whole, they're planning documents at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, it's just, it's foolishness. These people are dealing in complete nonsense. No, this, this was a tough case. I mean, they're going to allow the, the Idaho uh, police to, to take the credit here. You don't even see the FBI at the at the press briefing, but make no mistake about it. I mean, the, the technology that they were able to u utilize in this was was really, I mean, probably like, the, what you saw in the, the arrest of this guy is uh, probably some of the, the best police work, you know, anywhere in the world. So it, it is that... I mean, it is that remarkable that they were able to solve that crime is is uh, just nothing short of amazing. Also, folks, how about the, well, let me just play this. This kid from Maine was the suspect charged the New, New Year's Eve machete attack on the police in Times Once Square. to you, the 19-year-old suspect is due in court as soon as today to face attempted murder charges. Police said the FBI had interviewed Trevor Bickford last month in Maine where his mother had reported concerning drift toward Islamic extremism. Authorities determined he wanted to fight in Afghanistan, so they put him on a watch list to prevent him from traveling overseas. Instead, he boarded a train here to New York, intent, police said, on attacking anyone in uniform. An NYPD veteran and a rookie officer were screening revelers on their way to the ball drop here in Times Square when police said Bitford shouted Allahu Akbar and charged at them with a large wow. knife. He ended up shot Machete. in the but Lindsay, a diary found at the scene indicated the suspect thought he would die a martyr. Yeah. Lindsay? I mean, that is just in, in total insanity, that sick kid. Let me also just play the parents of uh, one of the children, father of Kaylee Gonzalez, um, did an interview with George Stephanopoulos. I'm going to play a little bit of this regarding the Idaho murders. Yeah, it definitely provided relief for uh, our family. Um, we learned uh, later at night around 1030, and um, it felt like a cloud was lifted off of us. I mean, it's like seeing sunlight after you've been stuck in a house for a month. So it definitely provided relief and comfort to know that things were progressing and uh all this torture of waiting was had a purpose and a meaning and um it, it, it was very and it was right before our celebration of life so that also added to you know knowing that millions of people have had prayers for us and just terrible all right folks it's tuesday it's the new year
You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks you are listening to the John DePietro show it's weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, topetro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he is the managing editor, anchorising.com. Happy New Year to Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to start off uh, with news of the passing of former Governor Lincoln Allman, who was the first governor to serve two terms. He came in at a time that Rhode Island certainly needed a steady hand without any corruption. He was not very transparent with the media kept a very low profile actually while he was governor and even a lower profile when he he left office but just some um, opening thoughts at least on who was the governor for eight years and that is uh the passing of governor lincoln Allman. yeah well well happy new year uh not to <laughs> back off the, the saturn news but Understood. yeah it's it's um you, you know he holds a, an interesting place, I think, in, in my my impression of Almond does of of Rhode Island and politics generally. I, I, it makes me think of uh, not long ago. I, I was thinking I found it came across a book I had when I was a kid. And it's just called Mr. President. I think is the title. And and every every time there's a new president, they update the cover and add the president into it. It's, you know, it's just a generic history kind of book. And it had Ronald Reagan on the cover when I was a kid. And to my in my view, Reagan was just kind of what a president was like. I mean, just, and I, I think. That's kind of how I look at Ahmed. I mean, he, he was governor when I came to Rhode Island, uh, and he—I think there, there's a—I have—it's almost like a feeling that he was the came toward the end of kind of what, what felt like normal politics. I mean, he was a Republican. He—he yeah. uh, he was actually the 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 main speaker when I graduated at URI. Uh, so colleges were still inviting Republicans to speak at that point. He—he oh. uh, he wasn't, you know, necessary. He was—I don't recall and maybe i was younger and i more naive and not paying as much attention but i don't recall any kind really hostility toward him in the media obviously no. they've always my entire life they've been they've been kind of skeptical of republicans let's say uh but they, they used to at least treat them as respect the office kind of a way and i think that started to fade soon after uh almond's terms in office so that's that's kind of just it, it's almost like he's it's a the passing of a, of a better day all around yeah, I know. And nothing uh, to begrudge him in any way. I, I don't know if, if that type of candidacy, I don't know how that would play today because he was definitely, you know, a law and order type. Uh, he didn't believe in a lot of he, he actually didn't like the element of politics. Right. Where you do a, a time and the fundraising and and that type of stuff. He he didn't really like that stuff in some ways kind of thought he was above it. There was certainly no element of you know the i i don't even imagine like the wokeness and and everything that the if you're in office now you have to deal with as far as the progressives but but there was you know and maybe it, it to offer some fear criticism was he, he certainly allowed uh then speaker john harwood to essentially do whatever he wanted he and uh director of administration george it was like a runaway train allman in some ways was just especially the second term was kind of content to go along again there was no accusations of any type of wrongdoing uh maybe after sunland you know the state wanted someone a little more of a low-key profile but i i don't know how he would fear in in today's climate that you always seemingly have to be reacting to the 
the far left because he certainly didn't cut up and caught in that. You know, Justin Katz also just finally on this, though, I think you're right. It was also a different time for the Republican Republican Party. You know, I mean, he was he was a Republican. The, the Republican Party was was still viable. They still had more of a presence. Uh, when you think about it, the party went, you know, Governor Dupree, for better or worse, but was governor during you know most of the 80s, uh, taking over after Joe Garrity. But then you had Almond for eight years. You had Kachiri for eight years. Rhode Island had a Rhode Island a Republican governor for a 16-year period of time, and um, and I don't know if we're ever going to see that duplicated again. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, if, hopefully at some point people kind of will wake up, and some, either the Democrat Party will have to change, or Republicans will start winning again. But but you make a great point. I mean, during that time when coming into Rhode Island, the it just felt like. That's what we did here. We had a very Democrat General Assembly and we elected Republican governors as something somewhat of a control on that. And right. that's gone out the window. And I, I think we're paying for it. I think yeah, I, I don't think it worked as well as it would have went, worked with a balanced legislature, but it worked better than what we've got now. And I think, again, it's it's another like a passing of an of an era to see him go. It's like a boss of a, a memory of what that was kind of like. It is. And it's also fitting, folks. Again, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing time. It's also also fitting that, you know, this is the time that we have the inauguration of Governor McKee. Governor McKee, in many ways, I, I mean, he is at the polar opposite of, of the you know former governor, rest in peace, Lincoln Alman. I mean, Alman, who not a hint of scandal, didn't believe in the politics type of thing, kind of thought it was just a lot of B.S., uh, McKee, everything is a deal. Less than one year in office, already the the you know the subject of an FBI probe. It it is uh, it's such a contrast. We had one person that just felt, you know, government you know, shouldn't be as visible beyond reproach. Governor McKee coming into office, I, I don't know, Justin. I mean, short of if the COVID money ever runs out, there's so many expensive IOUs coming that he has that I, I think we're in for a rough four years with uh, with Governor McKee. I think so. I, I think <laughs> I'm tempted to say it's it's a sad day to yeah. that we're seeing him inaugurated because he he bought his way in office because yep. he, he he showed himself to be so incompetent. Uh, I don't even know if we've seen him manage enough to know whether how competent he is at that. But at least at the the running of government, preventing scandals, the politics, he's just not good at it. And his solution was to buy off constituencies, which was very easy during the kind of the COVID period. And so I think we're going to see we're going to see him paying off those debts. Uh, we're going to see him bending over backwards to, to try to get reelected one more time. Uh, just so he'll he, I don't think we'll see him putting up any strong fights on, on anything. I mean, if we could imagine something coming to the fore, say, you know, so saving Providence schools, for example, or something like that. I don't think we'll see him. We, we've got a governor with any backbone whatsoever to stand up to special interests. If you've got enough power, he'll, he, he'll bend over for you. And, and if you are his friend, he'll, he'll risk an FBI probe in order to get, get you some special deal. So I, I think we're in, for, we're in for a rough few years with him. And I think it's, I don't know how long they can make the COVID money last, but I don't, I don't imagine it's going to last a full four years at some point those budget numbers are going to have to come out and that's going to be a very dangerous time uh i mean the the, the money's going to have to come out of the budget and the, the top line numbers are going to have to decrease and that's going to be a very difficult time to have a wishy-washy incompetent governor yeah who already you know this um this thing of the the home health care providers that they basically do daycare just stay in their home and they unionize which is questionable in itself but if that's any indication, Justin, what we're in for, everything becomes the retroactive contract. What people need to understand is when the contract ends, it never really ends because it keeps getting paid. And there's no reason. A lot of times the reason that you do a contract is because you want the money to keep flowing. Instead, they just make the pay retroactive. And then I think even in this, they're getting more bonuses. Now, I mean, to me, that just reeks of the type of campaign promise that Governor McKee made to them in order to get their endorsement. Um, it didn't make a lot of headlines. A lot of people, you know, probably aren't paying attention to it. But I think you're exactly right, Justin Gans. I think that is the type of, you know, we're about to see over the next 12 months, all of these hidden secret deals, backroom deals, all those IOUs are about to come due 
as as all these people get their new contracts. And then we get to find out how much the reelection really costs. Yeah, I think so. And and on top of it all, we're not backed up by very strong slate of people in office at this point. No. I mean, you've got the, the lieutenant governor is going to do whatever he says. Um, oh, yeah. So she can try to waltz into the governor's seat, presumably, yep. or, or maybe Congress or whatever. Um, the treasurer in particular has no real experience and justification None. for being treasurer. Uh, so we're, we're, we're in a, a very bad place with, with mm. that. And, and I think we're going to talk about the mayor of Providence. We're going to have a similar situation yes. there. I mean, it's, it's not, it, it's not a good time. The, the secretary of state coming in while it's nice that he's, he's, the, the positives are Amore. That is he's, he's very involved in his local, local community so he's genuinely part of his community and he had, at least has a, hist- a pre-woke history degree and, and uh, history teaching uh, experience so maybe he's got some some perspective that'll be helpful but he's a he's a union teacher and so that we've got to be skeptical of what he's going to be doing in office as secretary of state so that leaves you the ag and and he hasn't been quite as strong as i've i've wanted he's been more progressive than i expected so uh, it could be it could be a rough time and we're going to turn to the general assembly of all places for for sanity it's just kind of a scary place to be. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Remain healthy. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 401- 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health pop in and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children there's things for your health stay healthy at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland again call marie 401-305-3585 diagonally across from davenport restaurant Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, the next topic uh, story I want to mention, a lot of people aren't going to be familiar with what we're talking about because the the regular, quote, mainstream media locally just ignored it. Um, We're talking about this Democrat operative, Jordan Goyette, this group of their socialists, this Reclaim RI. They carry a lot of weight, whether people like it or not. They carry uh, a lot of juice at the statehouse. And, and this guy is a perverted, sick freak who I think actually should be arrested. But the, the woman he was sending these messages to, I, I think I, I wrote about it. I did a posting on it on DePetro.com. But what it's also telling to me is the double standard. If this were a Republican, uh, it would be a completely different story. We, we saw what happened. Granted, Nick Kettle was a sitting senator, but the reaction, the, the lack of reaction, and I think one of the biggest places – the, the, the uh, local media that gave him the most coverage was Uprise R.I. The, the head of that, uh, as we know, has been praised by like a, a Mike Stanton saying, oh, you know, everyone, he's doing the type of journalism we need. And then he was even listed as one of the top people of 2020 and wouldn't even do anything in the story of this guy that was putting these sick, violent fetishes that he had about this woman and sending them to her. And what I also, Justin Katz, most of the time, local media would kind of use that and catapult off of that with what's going on with Idaho and, um, and kind of do like and a local version twist on the story is this Democrat operative who was part of a Providence mayoral, ran the Jennifer Roar campaign, was out campaigning with Seth Magaziner. Uh, he is a despicable, sick individual, but amazing the silence from our local media. Yeah, nothing, nothing at all, <laughs> nothing whatsoever. I mean, if you go on Reclaim Our Eyes site, they've got 
news clippings. And so from, from all the major media around here, some of them mentioning this Goyette guy, frankly. Uh, and so they're not a nothing, or it's not like we're just picking on some small community group no. that really is inconsequential. They've, they've been a part of, of the Rhode Island scene and they've gotten coverage and you're, you're exactly right. You, you switch the, and it's not only that, but the, the group had a complaint about him before the election and they tried some, what do they call it? Not restorative, but transformative justice. Transformative justice. <laughs> which, yeah. which, I, which I, the, the whole, I, we're living in crazy times. So yeah. I, I had to look it up. The restorative and transformative justice, they both have to do with getting the person to see the harm that they've done. The guy had fantasies about rape. <laughs> He's yeah. not concerned with the harm. It turned out no. to do harm, apparently. So, I mean, that's, that's how crazy we are. But, but that's the, we're in, we're in this bizarre period over the past week uh, within within a couple minutes on, on my twitter stream i saw two posts one of them was somebody talking about how we have to start calling pedophiles uh, minor attracted adults or something like that and then not long after that i saw another progressive going after pope benedict who just passed away i mean uh, with the pedophile slur i mean that's that's where we are where it's it's in some places it's the worst thing they can imagine in other places eh, you know what it's not so bad and the only thing that makes the difference is the politics of the person you're talking about and that's yeah. what it is in this case we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna hear about how this group kept this guy on knowing he was a danger sent him out there pull to to people's houses knocking on doors or whatever they may have done none of that they're just going to make it you know make it disappear and it shows you the the real power of of the mainstream media although luckily fortunately that's no longer as as major a, an issue with you know with social media with the work you're doing on the internet what we're doing on anchor rising it, it starts to open up at least another channel where people can get some of this information and the part that i also want to highlight about folks, this Jordan Goyette is, he he was part of, for instance, Gonzalo Cuervo, who ran for mayor of Providence just this past election cycle, did a big press release. He's bringing him on as his campaign guy. He is now chief of staff to, you know, the new general treasurer. And there's still no follow-up on the fact that, you know, he is associated with that. I go back to Justin when, you know, Justin Price, Rep Price attended just went, he didn't go inside. There was no evidence he went in the Capitol, went to Washington. You know, they were camp outside his house, the knocking on the door. Uh, Tierra Mack, after she did the twerking on Block Island, they gave her the week to kind of get her talking points down and pick the right outfit before they would, you know, let give her a, a sit down where then she was talking about how her twerking has led to really important conversations. It's it's not our imagination. It is a double standard. And the part about it that also stands out, Justin, is we've learned that he was going through this, quote, transformative justice program, which is ludicrous. These are the people that believe you close the prisons, abolish the police, defund the police. And then, you know, the community does this business. He was the field director for the, the one of the campaigns for Mayor Providence while he was going through this trans, quote, transformative justice where he had been sending these women his and he's not a kid uh these fantasies of rape and murder it is it is absolutely pathetic um but i want to give you the last line and i i'm sorry it is it is a double standard if this if he had an r attached to him uh look at everything we had to do with with you know every republican asked about trump ashley kalis asked about trump and everything else this guy is a thousand times worse and he's local and no questions and no story and nothing to see here yeah, and, and especially considering a lot of the news media have you know their, their wrap-up where they just do bullet points. It's not even in there does he get a mention, at least so far. But what really strikes me is, uh, to some extent, the double standard. I was thinking about this the other day. The, there's that Republican who just won a seat in New York State who, who lied about all sorts of stuff. George and, Santos. Yeah, yes. and a, the call for him to resign. And, you know, as a matter of integrity, he probably should. But then you look at... But how Democrats are never, ever uh, required to do that. And That's I actually right. saw some prominent Republicans in Rhode Island tweeting things like, I will never vote for another Republican again if he doesn't resign. It's like, are you insane? Oh, God. You know but that's kind of the attitude on our side is we want integrity. We don't want to have to make a big deal. So this guy's a creep. He's going through something. All right. 
get off the stage, we'll go on without him. That's kind of the, the politics most conservatives, I think, want, where we just, all right, that's done. He did his thing. He's out of here. We, we took care of that. Let's move on. But you can't do that when, the, I mean, what, what drives the thing with Justin Price is that, I mean, the media is interested, but there's there are also people with paid activist gigs who show up at his house to make a news scene of it. That's so, right. I mean, you don't, it would be kind of, I, I wouldn't want to go picket Jordan Goyette's house or anything like that, calling him a pedophile with a sign or anything. But that's what the left would do. And yeah. if we're not, if we're not going to do it, we need to come up with the solution for, for reversing that. Because I, I don't know, I, maybe it's catching on because I don't, I don't think that's the Santos guy in New York has, has resigned yet. Uh, so, so I, I think maybe the Democrats roosters are coming home to roost on that. Uh, I, I suspect Democrats will, will learn to, live to regret releasing Donald Trump's tax returns. I, I, yep. but, but, you know, it's, it, it's really a big problem and it, it, it's, it's painful how much it's, it's just all, everything. If you're, if you're a Democrat, if you're progressive, everything is forgivable. There's nothing you can do that is not forgivable. If you're Republican, you can't sneeze. You can't spit on the sidewalk or, or you're the worst human being who ever lived. And that's just, that's not a healthy way to have a, have a community. That's for sure. Yeah. And you go back to uh, state Senator, Nick Kettle, I mean, state police, the guy's like weighs 90 pounds. State police, you know, invaded his house on a mm -hmm. Friday, kept him over the weekend. All the state police were in court uh, for his appearance. He was forced to resign by Ruggiero and the Republicans. And he was basically, you know, he came out of that. All the charges were basically was acquitted on the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So um, it's amazing. And that coverage, you know, they were parked outside and the knock on the door. Uh, I didn't see anyone knocking on Tierra Mac's door. That's for right. sure. And agreed, it shouldn't break the law. But folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also... 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident, Go to Atment Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. Atmed Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Our segment is politics this week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Well, Justin, we do have a new mayor of Providence. Mayor Lorza is out. Brett Smiley is in. He had his inauguration, and I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on uh, some of the themes that he zeroed in on and uh, the direction that he sound seemingly out of the box is going to take his uh, new term of being the mayor. Yeah, well, <laughs> luckily, living a little bit away from Providence, I can take a little bit of distance, but I'm actually curious to see which which Brit Smiley we, we kind of get. I mean, he's a progressive, he but he he's says he's a I I'm going to get things done kind of progressive. It's going to be yeah. the best run city in the country or something like that. So he's at least got that incentive, and that can go one of two ways: either either the getting things done can can overwhelm your progressivism where you say, well, we can't do the progressive thing right now because I've got to get this working and progressivism doesn't work at the end of the day. Or you could get this really totalitarian thing where getting it done means being progressive and that becomes a big problem. So I'm, I'm curious to see where he's going to go with that. Also, there's, you know, there's his, his past is not pure. I mean, it, it's funny. You don't see these. I mean, speaking of double standards, there, there was quite, he, he sold it, as I recall, this was some years ago and I didn't re recently refresh my memory, but he sold a house in Providence and it was something kind of shady about the way he did it. He got a, more money for, a lot more money for it than he should, maybe should have. That kind of thing. Those sorts of hints are out there that there might be, might be dangers of, of corruption in the, the city hall, but, but it's, it's kind of vague enough that maybe not. So I think there, there are a lot of open questions about Brett Smiley uh, that, that we'll, we'll see where he goes. I, I don't 
I'm not optimistic because he's progressive. And most of all, uh, and I think the the real key point that voters in, in, in Rhode Island ought to take into consideration is he's never done anything other than politics. That's it. And that these are not, I mean, you go back to Link Allman, he's, he had some experience uh, and at least a, a business kind of mindset. Uh, you, people like Elorza, people like Smiley, they think they know what they're doing, but it's all theory. They've never actually run organizations where they could lose their shirts. They've never, they've never had to see how people actually interact apart from being able to mandate things through government and win elections as your route to victory. So I, I think that that's not a, doesn't bode well for his time in office either. For those that want to be optimistic, uh, Brett Smiley, he did uh, work for Mayor Lorza. However, he left there and went to work for Gina Raimondo. And then during the pandemic, people would probably remember he was the one he was stand there as the director of administration um, and be on stage or be on screen during the course of the pandemic. He, he said very little, but I'll say this, um, Justin, I, I think if there is someone in politics that he kind of has as a mentor, I, I think it's Ramundo. And one thing about her is she was very, very demanding. So I, I view him as someone that maybe he started out under Lorza, but we're seeing with Governor McKee the world of difference. A lot of things going wrong with Governor the governor with Governor McKee certainly didn't happen under Ramundo. Ramundo was a real taskmaster and was a very demanding boss. There was no question who was in charge. It was the Gina show. So I think you know one thing about her: she is no favorite. She is everything is about the women's agenda and women appointments and Governor for the day is a girls' contest. But you know, at the end of the day, it was Randy Weingarten that. Seemingly, you know, the unions that prevented her from from moving up and they still want to try to block her. So I also look at a couple of things. The fact that he had that press conference and attended with Mayor Lorza that included Joe Palino and Angel Tavares, where they, you know, kind of threw down the gauntlet about the, the Providence schools. Um, I wouldn't put him in the same category as a as a Governor McKee. Providence, I don't know if it's going to be the best friend city, but it could be better run than it is right now. Right. And I, I think some of the things he's talking about, less about speed bumps and less about bike lanes, more about economic development, more about crime, more on quality of life and, and, and cost of living. He has a tremendous opportunity in front of him if he follows his follows the business instincts and, and, and looks at what the city could be. As opposed to just trying to, you know, as, as they talked about, and we've talked about, Mayor Lorza seemingly had no interest in economic development and, and working with the business community, just always wanted to block things. Um, but you have someone that maybe is a little more of a, an open ear. I, I, I'll give you the final word on it. But I, I think he, if he goes down that path, the fact that he, you know, showed up and had that press briefing with Angel Tavares and Joe Palino just on the schools I think that could be some insight that he's willing to take it on the chin to begin his term. Possibly. I mean, and I think that's what's going to make it interesting if, if he yeah. gets some distance. I mean, it's his leaning, progressive leaning, progressivism doesn't work. And not only that, but there's there's a reason things are going so badly in Rhode Island. And it's not just that we don't have strong leaders. It's it's the system is corrupt and root to branch. So he's going, if he tries to fix anything or make anything work, he's going to run into those two buzzsaws, progressivism and uh, the insider system. And that's going to be the question. How is he going to respond? Elorza kind of backed down a bit and didn't, wasn't strong enough. Uh, We've seen in in the state where they took over the the Providence schools, they, they tried to work with the unions. And we said from the beginning, that's not going to work. They learned their lesson. Well, they're still treading water, but it, the lesson learned them anyway. Uh, so what, what Brett Smiley does, that's going to be, that's going to be the interesting question, I think, in Rhode Island politics. All the other stuff is, is relatively predictable, but that's, that's one of the true, true wild cards we've got. But I do want to throw in the note that I, a lot of the reporters are saying he's, a, he's the first married, the first mayor to enter Providence married since 1974. Of course, the last two ended up getting married because they impregnated their girlfriends, uh, which was just not good either. But I just as a, as a social conservative, I have to say, I, th- I think I, I wish we lived in a world where we could actually discuss the effect that 
uh, these types of different types of relationships have on a person's perspective. It is a different world when you when you can have when you have biological children who come into it when you've got to decide whether to marry their mother and, and all that kind of stuff. I just I think I think that's a, the biggest topic we're not allowed to talk about, and it's being brought up here indirectly and in reverse by this claim of him as if he's the you know the upstanding moral virtue of a of a mayor entering office already married. And as an openly, you know, gay man and his husband is very successful in real estate. Folks, again, our, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, finally, it is also the beginning of the uh, the new legislative session on Smith Hill. It's not an election season. So anything controversial or anything they want to push now, now is the time. Um, I, I don't see a direction right now unless something changes that they're going to become any more business friendly. What I what I also see is a governor who is completely uh, emasculated and gone into the governor McKee almost might as well be a card carrying member of the union. But they have just gone so much into just make more state jobs, more union jobs. Uh, if someone says I'm thinking of starting my own company, private sector, he's almost it's almost like frowned upon. There's no active chamber of commerce, and it's it's to the detriment. You don't hear anyone even discussing in the McKee administration anything about trying to, you know, the Raimondo people tried to go after GE. They tried to lure PayPal. They tried to make a play for some some big companies. And even to, hey, to his credit, you had Chafee that was talking about, you know, meds and eds trying to duplicate what Cambridge does or what they do in Silicon Valley. Governor McKee, there's, there's no talk about that. He doesn't even pretend have any interest in growing the private sector. It's all about how can we appease these union members. But I'm just curious, some of your thoughts on the beginning of this new legislative session on Smith Hill. Yeah, well, I mean, you raised a good point. Ten, ten years ago, a little more than that, the, the General Assembly and, and Chafee, to some extent, were talking business. They were, how can we yeah. get our rankings to improve? How can we do? Right. Uh, and that, that's just completely disappeared. So I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think a lot of their a lot of their attention, sadly, is going to be focused on handing out all this, this windfall of money that keeps that's kept coming to them for the past two yep. years, thanks to illness and and uh, thanks to COVID and, and Joe Biden. But um, that that's going to run out, but it's going to distract them for a while. And partly because of that, I think there, there are no major controversies kind of on the horizon that I that I see things that they they desperately are going to have to address. I think I think they all want to just get back to the old days where they did. They just controlled things. Only now they've got more power and more leverage uh, to to do that, and and so they'll hand out to constituencies this money and and keep coasting along. The one the one encouraging thing that I think adds some interest to the question is uh, of what they're going to do is is Ruggiero's interview with the Senate President's interview with Boston Globe, where he was clearly. Like, like almost like wipe, wiping his hands and saying, "Okay, I'm done with the progressives now." Um, that that was the impression right. I got anyway. So some of the some of the controvert quote controversial things they might try to do in a non-election year is just like wipe back, pull back on some of that progressive craziness. Maybe, maybe not. We'll we'll see. But that's that's possible. I suspect they'll try to keep their heads low while they hand out these hundreds of millions of dollars. I think something um, that people that need to keep an eye on. I I think the situation with the Providence schools. Uh, for better or worse, it's it's going to dominate. And this is where Justin Katz, I am anxious to see Governor McKee. Granted, they called the mayoral academies instead of charter schools. But you have outgoing Alorza, Mayor Alorza, who was very outspoken about and that some of the media couldn't fully comprehend what he was saying. But when you have a failing school and you deem it a failing school, you then replace it and give the opportunity for a charter school. And you, you don't close them all at once. You do it one by one. You create competition. You try to weed out some of the bad teachers. You try to improve the school system by essentially offering alternatives and, and offering competition. I think you know, that's where things are going to take in, uh, take hold, and where the rubber is going to meet the road is going to be the General Assembly because the state takeover. This is where, but Governor McKee, now he did get the endorsement from NEA Rhode Island. He didn't get it from the uh, Federation. Uh, with the, which is the Providence Schools, the Randy Weingarten Group. They went with Nelly Gobea. So I recognize a lot of people and most people listening to us, they do not send their children to the to the uh, Providence Public Schools. But I go back to what I, I started this segment to mention. And this, in 2015, Ramundo, they were brand new in office. And for what it was worth, you know, they made a solid pitch. 
GE made it very clear they were going to leave Connecticut. Uh, they, you know, they put together a full proposal. They did. I still remember they did the dinner right off of South Main Street. They allowed a Lorza to come for dessert. <laughs> they were pitching them on the uh, on the the 195 land. They had Governor Jack Reed stop by. That was also where in it came to light in the pitch to GE that they were telling you know uh, the schools that you want to send your children to either like Moses Brown or LaSalle. They they certainly did encourage the 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 prominent schools. So GE settled settled on you know moving relocating big part of their business to to Boston. But um, but at least it put in motion the Raimondo people and they made a solid effort. Justin Katz, fast forward. I, I'm not sure Governor McKee would even make a run at something like that because, you know, he would like walk into the meeting with Crowley and George Nee and uh, and, and the laborers. And come on, companies, what, what people still don't get is those, those people, they scare companies away. They don't bring in jobs. There are, there are people that are afraid to come in here because then you have those people knocking on your door because they want to go in and unionize your workforce. Right. Well, and, and that to a governor like McKee, that that's actually a disincentive. I don't want that extra work. I don't want people right. coming in here with new incentives. I've already bought off the constituencies here I need. I don't want to have to deal with that whole challenge. So yeah, I suspect he won't even. It makes me think of years ago, I mean, not to get into a too long story, but here in Tiverton, the little Compton students bus through Tiverton to go to Portsmouth High School. Uh, and some years ago, it's kind of embarrassing. And some years ago, the superintendent put together a, a proposal to, to stop that. And it was such a pathetic presentation. It was like something he might have had a ninth grade class learning PowerPoint do. And you could tell he didn't really want it, the superintendent at the time, because it's just more kids you got to deal with, I think. Uh, and I think that's kind of what I see a McKee doing with, with any kind of business, if he even bothered. I think, I think it's all, he, he wants people to put things on a bow like the like the soccer stadium say here's the here's what it's going to cost you here's what it's going to cost us and here's what we can promise you as a politician if it's not he's not i don't think he's going to do any work going out to try to find people and get out the yeah. rolodex and travel the country like raimondo did wow. uh i think he's he's going to just try to coast and keep buying off constituencies yeah. which scares people away nobody wants to buy into a system like that nope. and so his, constitu his constituency is michael sabatoni and george Day. Those, those are the two people he has to keep happy Soccer stadium, Superman building, keep them as happy as possible. Try to keep the Providence Teachers Union at bay and uh, just try to enjoy uh, being governor. Folks, again, it's a new year. Our segment is politics this week. Justin Katz, excellent job as always. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again. Happy New Year. Hope it's a good one for everybody. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors.